Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert along with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And look who's back. It's co-host Emeritus Stephen Kerr making a visit to help us preview the Astros season. It's back and we're loving it. And you've got your championship gear. We can see it right there, Stephen. It looks good. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Got the uh, 2022 World Series champion T-shirt. And yeah, I'm all decked out in the uh, Astros World Series travel mug. So, you know, I've I've got the water here. I've got the shirt here. We're good to go. I'm not watching the Final Four, so I'm just going to be watching a lot of baseball next week. Thank God for baseball season. Water. He said water. I thought it was for sure like vodka, Red Bull. or Well, that's that's just what I said, Sean. That doesn't mean that that's what's really in it. (laughs) There you go. All right, let's get to the good stuff. And we're just going to start. I'm going to start firing questions at you. Uh, you you can go first, Stephen, and I'll, Sean, I'll let you follow it up. But let's start with the first one. And we got to talk about the injuries. Which one scares you more, Altuve or Lance McCullers? And you can interpret that question however you would like, Stephen. Well, I did it two different ways, Robert, because yeah, my first inclination was to say, well, McCullers, because, you know, we've, we've had this discussion so many times on this podcast, Robert, that there's only been one time in Lance McCullers' career that he's pitched over 150 innings. And I guess this year, it's going to be the same thing. <laughs> he's not probably not going to pitch 150 innings. He's going to be out for a bit. But when I think of the pitching depth that the Astros still have, even without him and even without Verlander, it's certainly not as good as it was last year, or not as deep, I should say. But it's there. With Altuve, my biggest issue, you know, with his injury is, yeah, he's going to be out a couple of months and you've got guys that are pretty much unproven trying to step in for him. You've got David Hensley. Yeah, he showed some flashes last year, but they were very small sample sizes. This is the big deal. You know, you're replacing your second baseman. You've got Mauricio Dubon who can play some positions, you know, and then the biggest question for me is that, that the Astros offense has some other holes too. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, that's exactly, you know, my response is the proven depth behind Altuve is far less than what the Astros have shown. Uh, Certainly last year with a staff that was tremendous, won a World Series, a lot of it without Lance McCullers. And, you know, now no Justin Verlander this year. That's a big factor and something I wanted to talk about a little bit later on that's probably going to come up. But Altuve is guaranteed out at least two months and then maybe a ramp-up period. You know, McCullers, if things go well, he's throwing consistently now, still on flat ground. You know, there's a possibility that maybe this guy's, you know, misses the first couple of weeks or two turns in the rotations and back and is back. And he might have his best career, his best season of his career yet. You know, you never know. So I'm holding out that small sliver of hope for him. But no, I I just think you hit the nail on the head. Pitching depth behind the Lance McCullers, um, you know, is tremendous. I, I don't know if it's fair to expect, you know, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy. Framber Valdez and Hunter Brown to, you know, be 2.0 versions of themselves last year. But most of those guys, this is not their first rodeo. They've shown the ability. They've shown the progress. They've shown the promise now for a couple of three seasons. So for me, it's an easy answer. What what hurts more, what scares me more is Altuve being out because you don't know what you have in Hensley. It's a smaller sample size. The correct answer, Altuve, uh, this is the correct answer because – 
Altuve is going to be gone for two months and he's the heart of your team. And Lance McCullers has been out at other times before. And this is big picture stuff. So that's what I'm taking. Now, which player makes the biggest positive leap this season, Stephen? I am rooting for Jake Myers, Robert. This is his time. I mean, last year he didn't look ready after that unfortunate injury. But this year, hopefully, when he you know he has the confidence to to make it all the way back, so I'm rooting for Jake Myers to really step it up this year and solidify that center fielder spot. Don't know if it'll happen, but that's where I'm going with it. Man, Mr. Positivity with Jake Myers—that's a pull. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to crush that one because I mean we obviously all hope you know that that's the case. Yeah. I mean you want to see everybody produce, but I don't know this. You're talking about a regular season. Right. And the carryover is something that I was looking for from Jeremy Pena after a tremendous postseason, a hell of a World Series. MVP had a great spring, showed up jacked and produced. I want to see how he carries that over into the regular season. You know, uh, after a pretty solid start last year to his big league career, you know, he went through mighty slumps, some lengthy ones. Um, and, you know, you look up and you're just like, man, how is this guy still hovering above 240 on, with an average? I'd like to see the on-base percentage improve. I think he's got a ways to go there, and I think this season you know, he could certainly do it and really emerge as another real star uh, on this Astros ball club. So I think even though he's a World Series MVP, even though he put himself and the Astros back on the map as if they'd win anywhere here in recent memory, um, I think he could take a really huge leap this season. I agree with Sean. Jeremy Pena, it's an easy one for me. He's got the most room for growth. I guess Jake Myers, yeah, yeah technically he might have the most room for growth, yeah. but Jeremy Pena, uh, you see it there. And I, I think that's the uh, answer to that one. That's the correct one. Kyle Tucker is going to be on a lot of people's radar too. Which player could have the biggest drop off from last year? So this is going the totally opposite direction. Ooh, man, that's a hard one. I, I mean, it really is. As much as I hate this, I mean, I go down the list. I don't want any of them to have a drop off year. <laughs> you know, I guess... Just because of the injury and and how that may affect him, I'm just I, I'm I'm going to go with Altuve, and I'm not going to say he's going to have a horrible year, but you know he's had some fits and starts. He had a couple of really good months last year, certainly, but it's not as if he had a terrific season all the way through. I'm going to say a bit of a downturn for Altuve. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that I'm just trying to process that one because, you know, in the WBC, I mean, he came out, you know, guns blazing, you know, I think smoked a couple of home runs uh, yeah. in, in, some, in those pool play games. And then I'm just thinking, too, you know, it, it, it's a broken thumb. You know, I mean, it's not soft tissue. It's nothing crazy like that. I mean, once his bones healed, I mean, he's going to pick up a bat and start swinging it and, you know, get just the impact. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, the fast twitch muscles, I mean, all that's going to come back. I mean. I don't think it's him. I think for a lot of people, and the numbers lend itself to be true, the easy answer is Jose Abreu. A lot of people, Vegas believes that he's going to see a massive decline in his productivity. I don't know if you guys have seen the over-under totals so far on them to begin the season with Abreu, but the home run numbers and RBI numbers are down uh, pretty considerably from not just his 162, but just, I mean, what he's been you know, in the game for the last five, six years, been an MVP in the COVID shortened season. I don't agree with that one. I think, in fact, he's going to continue to mash. I'm looking at Framber Valdez. You know, he won 17 ball games last year. He was in the race for the Cy Young for much of the season. And not to say that I would expect him to fall off a cliff, but in terms of like 
a natural decline, just as hitters in the American League kind of maybe begin to figure him out a little bit, you know, this ongoing chess match that we see in games within a series, within a season. Sometimes it happens like this within a career, and he's just going to have to kind of figure that out and put it together. I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a slight decline with Fromber's numbers. Man, I'm worried I'm agreeing too much with Sean, but I, I agree with Sean here. Fromber wow. Valdez, and, and, and I'll throw out some numbers for you. He had 226 innings last year between the regular season and postseason. That's 90 more than the previous year. The big jump in innings is a concern. Plus, yeah. the new rules worry me a bit with Fromber because he'd occasionally take a few extra seconds when he was struggling. He'd use that time to help him mentally. That is we true. know that part of his game. Can he get out of a tailspin with the pitch clock? Those are my two concerns. Hey, can I, I'll make, I'll give you one more. And it's because I talked about it on uh, the show this morning um, with Sean Pendergast on sports radio, Six Ten, And it's that he's the ACE. He's your opening day starter. He's never been that before. Um, there's no Justin Verlander. He's the dude. So how does he react to, you know, that sort of pressure? And for really the same reason that you'd mentioned that we've talked about, Amongst all three of us, in fact, before so much, him needing to kind of dial back in, use that extra time, walk around the mound, crouch down, just kind of get his mind right. You know, how does all of this, you know, work in a very different year for him now? Rapid fire round, starting with some roster questions. And this first question, you can give me your guy and you can give me Dusty's guy if they differ. And I'll start with. How do you see this? Seth Martinez, Ronel Blanco, Brandon Belak, they're all battling for two spots in the bullpen. Who's the odd man out, Stephen? I have to say Belak. And, uh, you know, I keep waiting for Belak to show us something. You know, all three of these guys, I think, could be in the mix, especially if you need to be stretched out a little bit, especially early in the season. You know, Blanco could be a guy that can do that. Martinez could be a guy that can do that. Belak is has done that before, both in AAA and with the Astros. But I, I just look at, you know, Blanco has had a very strong spring, and uh, so has Martinez. And, you know, you can't always go by spring training numbers, but my gut feeling is that Blanco and Martinez are going to be the guys to come out being on the roster. That was my answer. You know, Seth had a great spring. Blanco had a great spring. Belak. You know, not so much, though I know he's been up with a big club before and has had, you know, some success. Seth? has had some success and Dusty Baker last year kind of refused to kind of go back to the well and use that for whatever reason. Don't know the reason for that. Just like we don't know the reason why Stanek all of a sudden, you know, kind of fell out of favor. The stretch run of the postseason in the World Series. I don't know if we've ever actually heard why health reason or anything in that regards. But no, I'm with you. Um, I think Belak is easily at this point in time, the odd man out for me. But that's not to say that he won't and couldn't play a you know pivotal role down the stretch of the season. We know how these things go. And the yep. number one reason for me saying that, guys, is the Astros were so blessed, really, across the board from an offensive perspective, but certainly from a pitching perspective. Outside of Verlander having to miss a hot minute last year and McCullers dealing with the usual issues, unfortunately, for him, they were remarkably healthy. And I just – it's baseball. Guys get hurt. It happens. And I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, guys get banged up a little bit in the bullpen and you have to call on a guy like Hey, 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 hey. Stephen, listen to this. I think Sean's finally learned something. I got him <laughs> predicting injuries instead of Not. predicting against injuries. This is what you do when you're a Houston sports fan. You always predict for the worst. Belak, you're correct. He's out. Don't be surprised 
if Blanco were recording this on Monday night, I'm making mm. this prediction. This is seven o'clock on Monday night. This has not come out. Don't be surprised if he is part of a six man rotation right out of the gate. Dana Brown has talked about the fact that he loved what the Astros did with that last year. There are three more roster spots up for grabs, Stephen. Hold on. I'm just going to say this real quick. Your fandom gets in the way, Robert, sometimes. You just try to reverse jinx the whole thing. Well, I've been listening to you, Sean. So I know. <laughs> I've heard the Lance McCullers references. So There's let's no not go there, there now. Let's not go there. You're right. <laughs> Between these seven players, Stephen, Corey Lee, we got uh, – let me mention there are three roster spots. You got right. Corey Lee, John or Diaz, Justin Durden, Corey Jolts, Bly Madras, J.J. Medicevich, and Ryan Bannon. And those are the seven that I think it's going to be up for grab for three roster spots. Unless you know something I don't, which three make the roster. Keep in mind, one of them won't be on the roster long, assuming Brantley's back in a couple of weeks. And you also need to factor in that Jordan and Jokes are, are not on the 40-man at the moment. Well, that's true. But to say that, though, I'm, I'm pretty certain, as again, we're recording this on Monday night, Jose Altuve is going to go on the 60-day 60, uh, 60 DL, so or the injured list, whatever they call it these days. So that means that is going to open up a spot where you could put one of those guys on the 40-man roster. And I'm going to say it's Durden because, look, I, I know he has very few minor league appearances compared to some, but the dude is a left-handed bat. You can't have too many of those. You don't have enough of them, really. And, yeah, he's been raking it in spring training, and he's he's got to see some elite pitching in the regular season. But I just think the fact that he's a left-handed hitter, he can play all three outfield positions, he's made some great defensive plays in the spring, I think he's going to be one of those guys. Corey Lee, you know, John or Diaz, that's, that's a little harder to call. I think they're going to go with Lee because of experience, and he, he has handled the pitching staff last year to some extent. You know, the hitting, I think eventually Diaz is going to be the better hitter. But I think they'll go with Lee at this point. You know, the third spot, Matt Ajevic, I mean, he can at least play some first base. If, if something happens to Abreu, you've got some more depth on the infield. That's probably a little tougher to call, but I'm going to go with Matt Ajevic at this moment. You and I aren't too far off, uh, Stephen. I, I just disagree with you on the, the backup catcher role. Diaz is already a better hitting catcher right now. And right. I, I thought about this earlier. If you're going to use the logic like Dusty has plenty last year, he said it flat out. You know what? We don't care if Maldi hits. Um, it's, you know, we have him to handle the pitching staff and for his defensive prowess. Okay, if you're going to use that excuse, you know, 75% of the time, then 25% of the time when you need to give Maldi a break, you can maybe suffer a little bit defensively. And as long as, you know, John Air Diaz is a capable handler of the pitchers. And you know what? I want to sacrifice a little bit of that defense, or maybe he doesn't call the greatest game because the dude can freaking hit. I, I think at some point in time, you have to kind of roll the dice. And if the ball club is in any sort of position to do that, to me, it's right now because you've seen Corey Lee up there for a little cup of coffee. You know what he's capable of. I want to see Diaz get a shot. I mean, to me, he's earned it out of spring training this year. You got two more guys, two more guys. All right, so sorry. That's that's my one. Uh, I agree on Matajevich because he's been up with the big club. He does bring you the versatility. So he's probably my favorite there in terms of who I think Dusty's going to go with. I'd like to see Madras and I'd like to see Durden because Durden is a masher. 
Um, you know, he does give you a little bit of versatility as you, well. You, you can pick one, though. You can only pick one. <laughs> There's three spots. Well, I got Diaz and I got Matajevic and I've got Durden. And I told you who I think Dusty's going to go with versus who I'd go with. Yeah. I think Dusty will go with Matajevic. I'd go with uh, Madras and I'd go with Durden and I'd go with Diaz. I'm not even going to have to pick between Corey Lee and Diaz. I'm going to say both of them make the roster because wow. Diaz is only going to be up a couple of weeks until Brantley gets down. They're going to want to get him some at-bats. They're going to send him back down, work on his defense. They love defense at the catching position. So I, that's why I'm going with Corey Lee and Matajevich. I agree. Left-handed bat. He can play first base. If David Hensley has to play second a lot because Altuve is out, you've yeah. got a backup first baseman in Matajevich. So that's the direction that I'm going. Next question. This is just a, a real simple one. Steven, yes or no? Will the, will the Alex Bregman that we saw the second half of last year show up the whole season? I'm actually going to say yes, because it's about time that he put a fully consistent season together all year long. Yes, he didn't have to deal with rehab this off season, you know, and that's huge for him. And I think he's become a better pro each and every year. So I think this is going to be a very important, very big year for Bregman. We need him to get off to a hot start. I, I'm yeah. going to say yes, just out of hopefulness, because without <laughs> yeah, Altuve, <laughs> uh, it, it, they need some offense and, and Bregman always gets off to slow start. So get, you know, change it this year, Bregman. We need, we need you to get off to a hot start. Next question. Uh, another quickie, which member of this Astros setup men is most likely to have a, have a drop off after last season? I mean, it's just incredible work by these guys, Neris, Stanek, Abreu, or Montero, Stephen, which one? Well, you know, that's a pretty tough one to pick. I'm going to say Abreu just because I don't think he's going to have a bad year, but my goodness, he was lights out last year, especially in the postseason. And that was the first time we really saw Abreu coming into his own Man, I just I don't know that he could repeat that again this year to that extent. So I'm going to go with Abreu. I think Abreu is an ascending player. Um, you know, Stanek is a big question mark. I think he's a strong candidate here until proven otherwise, because we still have no clue why he was not utilized. Um, you know, in the postseason of the World Series, Montero I worry about because of age and getting a big contract, maybe a slight overpay there. Um, kind of an easy setup for disappointment. Neris for the same reason as Montero. But if I'm picking one, I'm probably going to go Montero, you know, um, because of age and the overpay and just these things tend to happen in Major League Baseball. When you get up there and you're paid for what you used to do instead of what you're going to do. Yeah, I, I, quickly, I agree with you. I, I think it's Montero. And I, and I think for the reasons that you look at his career and this just never happened before, hopefully we're wrong um, hopefully he can keep this up, but yeah, that, that's, that's an issue. All right. Now this is one I'm, I'm just leaving it to you guys. This is an open question. Steven, what is a storyline for this Astros season that you think is flying under the radar? Well, I don't know if it's flying under the radar necessarily because we talk about him every year, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on Forrest Whitley this year, guys. He has got to impress in triple a, you know, especially if, if some injuries do come down the pike with the pitching staff. Remember, this is his final year of minor league options. So if he doesn't cut it this year, he's going to be somewhere else next year. There's just no doubt. There's, there's no way they're going to keep him if he doesn't impress. So this is a big year for Forrest Whitley. So we need to keep an eye on him, certainly through the first, I'd say, couple of months of this season. Yeah, that that's probably the winner. I mean, I I, I would agree with that one. I, I went a different direction, though. Um 
I think it's flying under the radar. I think people are way too comfortable with it. Um, and I co-signed it when it happened. Justin Verlander. He's not here. He's in New York. And I think that's big. You know, the more you look at it with McCullers being out with our conversations, you know, a natural decline possibility, you know, with one or some of the guys in the starting rotation, the uncertainty because of a small sample size with Hunter Brown, there are legitimately, you know, question marks with the Astros rotation as good as they were last year, as good as, you know, many of those guys really have been in recent years. Not having Justin Verlander is big. You've been anchored by a star pitcher you know for this for the better part of this run the last six years you don't really have that dude you have some emerging dudes um and it could be Fromber, it could be christian you know it could be both of them and you know sprinkle in a luis garcia maybe in a hunter brown you know i don't know but there's too many question marks and i think verlander's flying under the radar my under the radar deal is major league baseball's major schedule change it's a pretty big deal for the Astros because yeah. they're going from 76 division games to 52. Six games less for each division opponent. Last year, the Rangers and the A's were two of the worst teams in the American League. And, of course, the AOS has been notoriously weak. The Astros were 51 and 25 in their division last year. The Rangers and Mariners both continue to get better, so maybe not getting as many chances to beat up on the A's won't matter as the Astros face every team in baseball this year, but the schedule change is something to consider if you understand how badly the Astros have beaten up their division during this historic run the last few years. I think it's a great thing that they're doing it with the schedule too. I really like it. You get an opportunity to see, you know, other teams a little bit more outside of your division. Um, I always thought, you know, 18, 19 games against, you know, every opponent in your division was a little excessive. Um, it's nice, though, when you're in a position like the Astros and you have the opportunity to beat up on that competition. Two things that you can add to that from a fan's perspective. Number one, the Astros fans will not have to wait up until all hours of the night nearly as much this year because <laughs> yeah, yeah. they won't be playing yeah. these AL West guys so much. They'll be playing other teams in baseball, a lot of those teams on the East Coast and in the Central Times Division. Number two, the Astros will not have to, fans will not have to wait up late at night as much as they normally do because guess what? The games are speeding along, Stephen, just as I, I was hoping and praying and I'm loving it. It's fun. Things are happening quickly. Uh, Sean is going to have to eat it on this. Yeah, by <laughs> halfway through the season, he's going to be saying, yeah, you were right, Robert. I love all these new rule changes. They, they made the game way better. Well, you, they did until they got to the thing about the bat boys and the bat girls speeding it up. I mean, come on, really? You know, the, the pitch clock is great and, and all the rest of those other changes, but come on. They're they're trying to speed up the bat boys and bat girls, really? That's yeah. crazy. I I kind of think I know where you're going with it. I, I haven't had a problem with much of the rule changes, you know? Bigger bases, cool. The only thing, I don't like taking the shift away, and that's a whole other discussion. I do. I we, do like it. You do like it. I do like it. We could have, we could do an entire hour You want to have no, you want to have all your infielders in the outfield and everybody just kind of, no, 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 no. I don't like that at all. It's strategy. You know what? Like be a better hitter. If I know where you hit the ball 90% of the time, you're darn right. I'm going to scoot over. I'm going to play that position. I'm trying to get outs. And you know, that's just been baseball forever. And 
you know, now you're saying, no, stay in your little tiny area. Let's put little hoops out there like we're, you know, in T-ball, like stay in your area. Well, it's not that tiny. You can move a little bit. They've, they've even shifted the shift rule just a bit as we enter the season. So there, I, there is a little more room for for growth here. I'm going to thoroughly enjoy watching teams try to exploit this rule. Like the Nationals, I believe it was, did against Joey Gallo, like the first game of spring training where they sure shifted they the outfield. <laughs> yeah, know? sure they will. Of course yeah. they will. That's going to be fun. But I, I, I like the rule changes uh, for the most part. I'd probably just that one off the top of my head. I'm looking forward to really seeing the impact of the bigger bases, the fewer pickoff attempts, pitchers trying to you know stay within the pitch clock and see yeah. what kind of action we see on the base paths. I want to follow that throughout the course of the season because I, I think it's going to be pretty impactful. Now, here's the one thing I don't like. I, I don't have such a problem with putting the runner on second base in extra innings. What I do have a problem with, though, is they're only doing it through the regular season. I mean, this is like when they voted in the designated hitter rule in the American League only in 1973. You're, you're only doing it for the regular season. When you get in the postseason, you're not going to do it there. Either do it all the way or don't do it at all. Don't do it at all. I, I hate the ghost runner rule. It's ridiculous. This is where, this is why you're needling me, Robert. This is where we had our conversation. <laughs> it's all coming back now. I, I can't stand the ghost runner rule because I don't I mind extra baseball. You know, I mean, hey, did you hate the 18-inning game in the playoffs against the Mariners? And yes. You know what? You know who else didn't yes, hate did. it? Major League Baseball. Because guess what they sold more of during 18 innings, an entire game of extra baseball? Ad space. Revenue, beer. commercials, money, beer. <laughs> well, still cut off after the seventh inning. <laughs> yeah, that's I can, true. I can speak for that, you know, um, firsthand. You know, I was there for the Chris Burke home run game, and I double-fisted in the seventh inning because I was anticipating a miracle. We needed one at least. I was hoping for one, but and it worked out. I finished the game with a beer. I am going to speak for every Astros fan's favorite person, Rob Manfred, and I'm just going to tell you guys, this is what Rob Manfred told me to tell you. Hockey. NFL football, uh, soccer, and in, in, in the World Cup and in, in playoff situations, all of them have different rules for the regular games and the postseason. We see the shootout takes place at the end of the World Cup in the knockout stage. We see the NFL, the overtimes rule change. You go from you can tie till you, somebody's got to win the game. It is sudden death. Uh, the rules change in the postseason in hockey. They all, and, and for overtime, they always change. This is what happens That's in a good all point. of these sports. That's a good point. Can't argue with that. I still don't like it, though. Yeah, most of those other sports have ties, too, you know, during the regular yeah. season. Like, yeah, they still, in hockey, you can still have a tie. You, you know, each team gets a point. But, yeah, so you yeah. can still have times where there's no where there's no win or loss. Yeah, it, no. Get, just get rid of the ghost on a roll. But, again, another conversation where this could go on for a while. Yeah. I, I'm just not in in that ballpark and I, I don't think i ever will be and i've come a long way robert you know this in our conversations over the years i've come a long way where i was a very happy content traditionalist and i have accepted the change most of it not the ghost runner not eliminating the shift i've got one final question then i'll open it up if you guys have any final thoughts on the astros season steven is there anybody outside the mariners who can make it interesting in the al west you know, I, I just feel something tells me that the Angels are due. You know, if they're not in the pennant race by the time the trade deadline comes, you know, they're they're going to have to unload Otani. They're they're going to have to do that. You'd like to think the Rangers will. They they loaded up on veteran pitchers, but 
you know, when you look at Jacob deGrom and the injuries he's had, Jake Odorizzi and then some of these other guys, I just don't see it. But the Angels are due. And if the Astros do get off to a slow start, anything can happen in the West. I still think the Astros are going to win the West, but anything can happen, especially if they don't start quickly. What's the status with the Mariners? Like, how much did they lose versus improve this offseason? Because I haven't paid much attention to them. They always seem to be kind of right there in the mix at the end of the day. And that was a team everybody felt pretty comfortable with. It should be an easy series. Look, it was a sweep, but it was a very close sweep, right? Um, I, I worry about kind of all of them and mainly because of the fewer division games. Um, and the Rangers, as you mentioned, Steve, they loaded up. But I'm looking at the Angels. If, and you're saying they're due, if Trout is able to stay healthy, if Otani is able to kind of double down on the season that he put together last year, I mean, they're solid enough, in my opinion, at least on paper, to get extraordinary production out of just those two guys and be a problem for somebody. If they're able to stay healthy and where the Astros stayed remarkably healthy last year, I don't know if they're going to be able to double down on that as, um, you know, easy as, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you and I are looking at the Angels doing the similar thing, you know, maybe for just an illogical reason that they're due. But I also think, like, it'd be a hell of a storyline. Otani, the number keeps going up and up and up. I've heard 50 million, then 75. Now 80 million today, I read an mm -hmm. article. Could he get 80 million a year when he hits the open market? You know what? I think he's going to double down and have a great year, get the Angels a little more competitive this year, maybe be a problem for the Mariners, Astros, Rangers in the division. And we're going to be talking about $100 million at season's end. Stupidly, but it'll be mentioned. Yeah, I'm worried about the A's. They got McGuire, Canseco, Ricky Henderson, <laughs> Dave Stewart. Uh, you, you yeah, just, Ricky Henderson's going to steal more bases because the bases are bigger. You know that, right? <laughs> totally forgot that they were even in our division. Like, I was like, are they? Do they still play Major League Baseball? Like, they yeah. need rele they need to be relegated. You know, aren't so they rele aren't they like, rumored to be moving the, the A's again? Yeah, Vegas, maybe they'll right? move back to Philadelphia. Oh wait, Philly already has a team. <laughs> They've been rumored to be moving for like 20 years now, and, and yeah, I'm okay. sure. It, that's a that's a franchise that absolutely needs a move, and it, it's sad because a, a lot of great tradition with the Oakland A's over the years, but there's a lot of bad traditions of toilets that malfunction and flood the dugout <laughs> and stuff like that too. Uh, Steven, last thoughts on the Astros season? Uh, you, you guys kind of made your predictions, but is there anything else that you're you're thinking about or something we missed? Well, I, as I said, I do think the Astros will win the West. I, I mean. I, I don't know that they're going to win 100 games this year. I could see them doing 95, maybe 98. But, I, I, you know, you just have to know that at some point there's going to be a bit of a come down. But to say that they're still in the conversation to be in the ALCS and even in the World Series, yeah, I think it's absolutely possible. You, you don't always have to win 107 games to do that, obviously. And sometimes it, it may be better that they maybe have a bit less – you know, of a, of a season, win, maybe win 95 games, maybe barely win the West. The Yankees keep trying, you know, maybe one of these years they'll pull it off, but I still think the Astros are going to be up there in the World Series conversation. You know who's maybe flying under the radar, really, just in-house already, and maybe because he's so new, is Dana Brown. Yeah. You know? um, he seems like he's going to be a very aggressive general manager and push Crane on a lot of issues to improve this team, and uh, maybe Crane's a guy. 
he's proven it already himself. Maybe he doesn't need too much pushing. He went out and got Verlander, orchestrated that deal, uh, made it happen for the city of Houston and the Astros ball club when they absolutely needed it. And how, how'd that work out? Um, but hey, look, if, if McCullers is having ongoing issues with staying healthy this year, um, if Altuve takes a little bit longer or whatever the case happens, the bullpen's banged up. I kind of trust Dana Brown already to be aggressive, understand the situation, the window that the Astros still currently have with so much talent on this roster, top to bottom, offense, defense, um, you know, the 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 progress, the promise that, you know, a young Jeremy Pena still holds, Alex Bregman getting back to an MVP form, uh, Kyle Tucker continuing to be an ascending player, Jose Abreu, I mean, you go up and down the list, I trust that if – you know, when it becomes nut cutting time, Dana Brown to make a bold move and yeah. get whatever they need in house to keep this team in legitimate World Series uh, 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 consideration. I love me some Dana Brown. First of all, same last name as Bill Brown, who had a very successful tenure with the Astros. Second of all, I had a crush on Dana. It was my first crush in elementary school. So Dana's always been a good name for me. Um, I, I got I got one last thing non-Astros related, but I'm going to stick with the orange. We had this little hurricane that blew through Texas and it took out the Cougars and the Longhorns. And I haven't had a chance to ask Steven about this because the Longhorns get all the way to the Elite Eight. Uh, really good ride for you guys. Uh, Rodney Terry named their new head coach officially uh, today as you and I are speaking on Monday. Yeah. What did you think of what happened with the Longhorns? Uh, in, in the game against Miami and, and sort of the season run. And what do you think of the Terry move? Well, it, it was to be expected, Robert. And, and honestly, the, the fact that they lost to Miami was unfortunate. But gosh, you know, look at the Cougars. Look at Alabama. I mean, if, if you're a top, a higher seed in this tournament, now UConn is the higher seed. You better be scared to death because you're, you know, UConn's probably going to lose now. I mean, this is the craziest tournament I've ever seen. But getting back to the Longhorns, I'll tell you the truth, Robert, the, the biggest difference, well, actually two biggest differences in what their season was, especially when they went through the whole thing with Chris Beard getting arrested and eventually having the charges dropped, but they had already fired him. The players rallied around Rodney Terry. They made a collective decision, and it was, it was an outward decision as much as an inward, that they were not going to throw this season away just because this happened. They were going to be bigger than that. They were going to rally around Rodney Terry. They were going to overcome this. They weren't going to just pull up and enter the transfer portal and leave, you know, and, and just and fall down and die. That is as much a big part of what happened this season for them as the fact that Rodney Terry just knew how to lead this team to where they got. So, yes, it was very disappointing the way they blew it. You know, Miami just couldn't miss, and Texas was just cold in the second half. That That's, yeah, they had a couple of bad fouls, calls, but that didn't lose the game. It was because the players rallied around Rodney Terry and Rodney Terry just, he took what was given him and he acted as if he were the permanent head coach through the whole season. So I think that was really the, the two main things, Robert, that you saw with the Longhorns. And well, as far as the Cougars, I have not felt that the Cougars were a great team most of the season, maybe with the exception of the last two weeks of the regular season, I thought maybe they could do it. But once they entered the tournament, you know, with with the injuries to Sasser and Shed and just the, the way they, they just looked out of sync offensively to me, I, I just didn't – I wasn't convinced that they were going to win the tournament. I kept hoping 
but it just didn't happen. And man, it just crazy year. That's all I can say. Yeah, if if we're being honest, I think um, for Cougar fans, people that were following them, hope was really more of the key word than yeah. belief that they could win the whole thing. It's I've I'd said this all along. It's I, it's never a good feeling when you're literally the favorite, you know, for most of the season to win the championship. How many of those teams actually do it? I fully agree with you on the last couple of weeks. They were playing some of the really some some of the best ball in all the college basketball next to uh, Miami and Alabama, certainly. But I'll say this. Everybody that's like, ah, ho-hum about this Final Four in Houston, you know, it's a big, giant letdown <clears throat> that the Cougars aren't in it, that the Longhorns aren't in it, that another blue blood, a powerhouse is not in it. Hey, <clears throat> what about the fact that you talk about craziness? What if UConn, this would be the best, if UConn beat Miami, went to the championship game, and lost to Florida Atlantic, the real Cinderella here. Like, that would be absolute madness. A program that has only been to the tournament twice in their program's history, first ever Final Four, potentially first ever championship game, and they knock off the team that was clearly the best team in the tournament in the Miami Hurricanes. But everybody's talking about UConn being the best because they've blown through everyone by at least 15 points. No. You said what you said in that about that Texas game for a reason. Miami has been clicking on all cylinders for weeks now, and they're playing their best basketball this tournament. Defense, offense, they're getting contributions from people that have shot three, 10% for the regular season. They're knocking down big buckets. They're the best team. And um, I think it'd be a hell of a deal if UConn upset them. I know they're five-and-a-half-point favorites at this point in time, but then get upset by Florida Atlantic. That's what I'm hoping for. Remember what you're wishing for, Sean. You are wishing for the former head coach of the Texas Longhorns and the Houston Cougars <laughs> to celebrate at NRG Stadium with his new program. I'm talking about F-A-U. Tom Herman. Tom Was he Herman. coach basketball now? In- no, but he coaches at FAU. Does he oh, coach basketball? There. I don't care. He can't revel in their glory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a he was a human cutaway in, in, in the uh, Elite Eight. Well, of course he is. You know, I, I Jim Nance, you know, is going to be talking Tom Herman U of H junk. You know, this weekend I'm not looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, no, he, he can't revel in their glory. You know, go go practice football and you know get your own ship. All right, guys, it was a good one. Uh, looking forward yeah. to the Astros. Can't, can't get here fun. soon enough. The Cougars rescued us until the Astros came along. So thank goodness for that. And uh, as well as for, for Longhorn fans as well. The Longhorns helped rescue us to get to get us to Astros season. That's it. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.